So the first thing we have to address is which one of you is Caleb Prime? Because uh, you hadn't fully joined the the group yet, uh, Sunstead, <laughs> and Mr. Longhair McGee up there yeah. is also a Caleb. So, hey. oh baby, there's not a lot are of you, us. Hold up, are you a C or a K? I'm a C. Are you? A, are, no, are you? I'm a, also a C. Yeah. Nice. Honestly. I kind of just hate Caleb's with a K because they've made it so my life is every time someone asks me to spell my name, they're like, C or K. I'm like, we should just get rid of all K Caleb's, you know, (laughs) not real, you know. I've only met one K Caleb and just a garbage guy. I uh, used to hang out with another Caleb and he spelled his C-A-L-I-E-B. Oof. What? Caleb. That spells climb, I'm pretty sure. I think I went there in Elden Ring. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, 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 everybody, to Droughtland After Dark. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, so we've done a couple of these already, but nothing with, uh, nothing like we're doing tonight. And I'm very excited that we uh, have our guests on today. We've been trying to get them on for a while. And fortunately, busy people are busy. Caleb is already signing sorry and he is unforgiven, you know. But it's okay because he's got a pretty <laughs> killer uh, goatee, which I wasn't expecting. So I have joining me today uh, my lovely wife, Elizabeth. Hello, I am Elizabeth. I am the wife. <laughs> I'm also a player on the podcast, and I do producing and stuff, and this is my cat, as you see featured. This is Tally. She does nothing, but she'll occasionally scream. Tally like Mass Effect Tally? Exactly. Her name is Tally Zora. Yes, exactly like Mass Effect Tally. She's the cutest. Do you want to show yourself? Beautiful. Yes. No? Okay. <laughs> Don't let her fool you. That cat is absolutely the worst. So also joining <laughs> us from Team Droughtland, we have Caleb Beta. I'm already saying we're Beta Caleb, or, or is it Caleb L? What are we doing here? Oh, gosh. I just, I don't know. Just call me Lynn Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn Fuck. That'll work. I don't want to be Caleb Beta, <laughs> you know. Listen, everybody at work calls me Cable. You know, we could do Cable. Cable? For real? That's pretty badass. That is pretty badass. Like (laughs) X-Men? I like it a lot. I'm trying to perpetuate it. (laughs) We'll perpetuate it. I think we're going to have to stick with uh, Beta Caleb, though. Like, we'll do Cable and Beta Caleb both. I like that. I like that. Oh, that actually, (laughs) that rolls off the tongue better. Anyway, Beta Caleb. Mm -hmm. It's good for branding. That sounds like a dynamic duo ready to go. Beta Caleb and Cable. <laughs> Alrighty, so so joining us today, we have a couple of members from actually two different podcasts. And it's kind of uh, a little weird because all three of them are DMs on one or the other of these shows. So I am going to toss to Caleb Sunset, a.k.a. Cable, first. And you can uh, bring in sort of your crew because... I think tonight one of the big things we're going to be talking about is going to be Terminus because that's, you know, the new okay. sort of thing that's hitting hitting the ground. And then I think if I if I read my uh, Twitter correctly, you guys are also coming up on a finale for uh, Neon Heat. So we'll definitely have to get into that, too. But why don't you go ahead and take it uh, take it from here, uh, Caleb Cable. Hell yeah. My name is Caleb Sunstead. I run a show called uh, Sounds Like Crows. Right now we're running a new campaign, Terminus. We're about uh, 10 episodes into that. 
uh, it's a sci-fi western with a little bit of cyberpunky flair, um, and it's kind of a hard uh, sci-fi setting, with the one exception that this is the only planet in the galaxy in which souls exist and can be measured, borrowed, and sold. Um, the main characters are the ones that are mostly, with the exception of Doug and Allie here, the ones that are like involved in that process the most, right? Because they're the main characters. Um, and we're 10 episodes into that. Um, I don't know where we're sitting on tone yet. Somewhere between uh, serious and comedy. We've got eight players, which is nonsense, and I would not recommend it. That's a lot. <laughs> oh, wow. That's insane. But we're running sort of... We're doing some Game of Thrones stuff is how I pitched it to the group, right? Like everybody starts together and then they split off and come back in. I just started episode five today. Ah, and so cool. I just got onto that whole, that's that second storyline of, I'm not sure how many you guys have. And I was like, <laughs> you know, we were going through and I was like, man, I thought that the cameras were going to be back for this. And then like, I heard the voice in my ear and I was like, oh yes. And we're off. Yeah. yeah that was yeah. great. Uh, so that's great. We brought in uh, three new people this time around. Uh, uh, Doug and Allie, who played uh, some pivotal characters in the last half of Crows, and then a uh, good friend of the show, Austin Holt. Uh, but Doug and Allie here, yeah, just wrapped uh, Neon Heat season three. Yeah, Allie? Oh my God, I can breathe easy. <laughs> what a weight off. Oh man, dude. The weight of storytelling. Heck yes. And I am not caught up on Neon Heat. I'm still in season one. So did you guys just post the finale or did you just finish recording it? Uh, we, God, we recorded it like over two sessions and like three DLC pickups over like two Oh yeah, weeks, nice. But it's posted <laughs> now. It's yes. done. It's posted live <laughs> oh on our God, feed. Oh my God, what an arduous finale process that turned out really cool. So the show is Neon Heat, but the feed is RPG for you and me. Yeah, and we will absolutely have the link to both of these shows uh, in the show notes for sure. And then also, if you guys check out our Twitter at DroughtlandPod, we retweet them uh, both kind of regularly, but also We'll make sure and drop a specific link to uh, where you guys can find the episodes for both of those. I do recommend both shows. I genuinely do listen to both shows. I am not caught up on Neon Heat. Uh, and I am not, I, I just started see, uh, episode five of Terminus, but they are both such good shows. I'm really interested in your guys' production process uh, because both of them are really highly produced shows. Like, uh, there's a lot of actual play where they just, you know, there's a mic and everyone's sitting and maybe they throw a song over it, maybe not. Uh, and you guys really go to that next level of producing something that to me, especially like I was just listening to the new episodes of Terminus. And to me, I was like, man, I keep forgetting that this is a game and not a full cast audiobook. You know, you take out a lot of the gameplay, you kind of focus on the story elements. So I'm curious about both. So let's start with Neon Heat because you guys just finished your finale. How much of the final that we hear ends up being like uh, re-recorded or tweaked a little uh, past the, the standard, just kind of editing out the ums and, and ands? Because I know uh, Crows obviously does a lot of like written description. I can't imagine all of that's right off the top of the head. So Allie and Doug, how much do you guys do of that? Um, I'd say probably like 5% of the episodes that make it to air our re-records oh, wow. okay. um it's really not a lot honestly we just kind of we just hit the ground running and we just go until we're exhausted sure. and then we take naps <laughs> sure. and it seems to work out so far yeah ali ali does uh all of the editing and production on the back end so i'm i'm very fortunate in that you know i get to prep and i get to mm -hmm. do a lot of the heavy lifting at the table um i i don't pre-write a lot of my stuff um i 
I like to work with bullet points. So I'll have sure, you know yeah. just a couple of smaller notes for myself and I'll think about it beforehand. You know, I, I go over things a lot in my head. So I'll have a pretty good idea of what I want to deliver at the table. But I I like to do things a little bit more freeform because it's more comfortable for me personally. Sure. Yeah. So as as far as re-records and stuff, usually she cuts out a lot of the ands and ums and makes makes me sound much better. Like I make both of us <laughs> sound much more articulate yeah. than I typically am. <laughs> um, but the content itself is is pretty one to one for what we do at the table. Mm -hmm. I, I can't I think there have only been like one or two episodes where we were just we finished and we were just sitting there and like, I didn't like that. Can we do something else? And we just kind of course correct because like this is a show that we do it mostly because we love doing it and we want to tell a cool story. And if something just feels bad afterwards for both of us that we fucked up. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's going to translate to like what the audience ends up listening to. Right. Like nobody even a well-told story, well-edited and whatnot, you can tell when the people aren't having fun. I mean, that goes for any acting, like, right, you can tell the the division on a TV set is sometimes what drives that apart, or, like, actors that just really hated working with each other. Uh, so you have to have, like, that base chemistry. You guys, on Neon Heat, there's only the two of you, right? Do you guys ever have any guests? Because I got... Or, about, I think I'm 16 episodes into uh, the first season. I, I'd have to double check because I've been trying to get caught up on Terminus and I've been working in a new job. So I haven't had a lot of time to listen to either. So are you guys, do you guys have th third people come on a lot or is it just the two of you? Um, for uh, Neon Heat and our Patreon campaign, Absolute Zero, it's just us. Um, we do have a separate Patreon show, Silica Valley, that we do with one of our patrons. Uh, and that's been a lot of fun. And that's that's really the only thing on the main feed that we have um, thus far with a guest. But we have, a, we have a couple of side things yeah. that hop in where we have a slightly broader cast. Like we did a, a very short D&D uh, &D, <laughs> uh, campaign where Caleb was generous enough to come on and play with us uh, that sort of... Um, it's there, and I'm sure we'll go back to it at Thank some point. But it was yeah. <laughs> what a stunning recommendation! It's there. It's, there. it's a lot of fun, and I love it. But it's not complete. You know, it's uh, it's just not a complete story. Your character what in Dupe Troop is genuinely one of my favorite characters you've ever fucking yes. made. It's called Dupe Troop. That's so awesome. Oh, that's delightful. Tonally, it's very fun. Is that on your guys's Patreon? It is, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, so on Patreon. Feed. One I, of these days, I'll guest on uh, Neon Heat. One of these days, I'll knock down the door. I'll break in. You know I'll what? fly I'm, to your I'm house. Not to it. <laughs> it would be quite a, a shift in the dynamic. I might, maybe, I'll bring you in at a pivotal moment to play a surprise NPC. I just, I just voice somebody too. Well, we can talk. We can talk about later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we really do want to do um, the Shazad stuff with the the arena pro wrestling like gladiatorial fight pit Ooh, nonsense. That would be a uh, lot with, of fun. With some guests, would be really, really really fun yeah yeah it's a great way to have a revolving door of people in and out too you know show up make a great character that's memorable die an epic death you know move on <laughs> <laughs> so i'm curious for our listeners who may uh not have checked out rpg for you and me and does and don't know anything about neon heat or silica valley how would you describe silica valley and how it's different from your regular neon heat stuff and use that to describe neon sure. heat too Boom. <laughs> sure, That's efficiency. I, I realized we never never gave a uh, an elevator pitch Whoops, for our main feed show. So, I, I was supposed uh, to set you up. I didn't. 
<laughs> I just, it, it really is an extremely cool world. It's a very immersive world. Uh, listening to the episodes, you can feel sort of the claustrophobia of being underground. Like it's, it, I, it's a very easy to visualize environment. I think Crows is also the same way, but I specifically like Neon Heat. The under, you can almost feel the moisture in the air listening to a lot of the episodes. So how is that different than or with what you're doing now in Silicon Valley? Sure. So uh, Neon Heat, our main feed show, the setting itself is a, I guess you could call it a post-apocalyptic future, a science fantasy future where there was a, a massive ice age that froze everything over and there was an emergent... Uh, an emergence of a new power source called Cori that manifests in uh, solid, liquid, and gaseous forms, and it's basically the science magic of the setting. Uh, people with quasi-superpowers, uh, mutated human races with different abilities, a reptilian humanoid race, all that good stuff. They weren't even mutated. They were just there the whole time. <laughs> but the uh, the main city is Caldonix. It's a subterranean neo-noir city. Uh, and the story follows Athena Sedaris, who is an ex-cop, now mercenary queen, who fled the city under dire circumstances and is now kind of returning to root out this conspiracy. And is a certifiable disaster. Yes. With uh, some very suspicious happenings going on in the, yes. you know, so in the root of everything. I was going to say, certified disaster by like what board? Or is there like a board oh, of disasters? Oh, therapist. Oh, <laughs> therapist. Gosh, she wishes she could have a yeah. therapist. I like the idea of a therapist sitting there for an hour and then we just see a shot of their clipboard and they stamp disaster. <laughs> <laughs> certified disaster. Certified disaster. That's just an episode of The Sopranos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, tonally, Neon Heat, I, I think we do a pretty good spread of serious and dramatic and uh, fun and lighthearted. Mm -hmm. I've been pitching it as an anime. Yeah, you know, you got your action, you got anime. your metal, metal Gear bullshit, you got your slice of life. Yeah, we pull from all of our favorite stuff. It's got that vibe, hardcore. Filler episodes, any? Uh, we try not to have filler episodes, but there are definitely filler scenes, which are more for world-building or character dynamic purposes. It's a pretty tight story. It's it's like, my pitch is uh, Avatar The Last Airbender if it were a cop show with lizards. Yeah, We did just start rewatching Korra, and then we were like, there are a lot of parallels here, and we haven't seen this in years, but it's a treat. It truly Jeez. is a show uh, that I would love to see visualized someday, but Great. so what about Silica Valley? Uh, Silica Valley, so while Neon Heat is mostly underground and is this bright, vibrant, neo-noir story uh, that is more urban, uh, generally speaking, and we get to see how city life is, uh, Silica Valley takes place on the surface where, uh, as the Ice Age has thawed away, there's basically this one strip of land called the Belt that is near the equator where uh, the planet is now habitable, so people are able to start uh, restarting life as normal. It's basically a a futuristic um, crony capitalist state where there's just a lot of those cyberpunk elements. So it's your Florida. <laughs> Something like that. We did model some of the city stuff after Florida. Uh, we yeah. lived there for several years. We did. Um, but uh, Silica Valley takes place more out in the waste, so it has a greater focus on the wilderness, uh, some of you know the mutated wildlife, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the tribal culture, and how people have survived out there in spite of all these dangers and the changes in the world. So uh, the main character is Set. He is played by our patron uh, Chase, who's just a wonderful guy. He brings a lot of life to the table and a lot of his uh, seeing the different world through Set's eyes and 
him kind of coming back to the city as well and seeing how the cultures have changed. That's phenomenal. And in that one, I get to play a cute scientist. Oh, (laughs) all right. Are you like a, uh, like a tech, uh, tech savvy scientist or like a biologist? Uh, she's more of a, a biogeneticist. Okay, cool. With a scorpion tail. If that, if that means anything to the table. Legitimate question about the scorpion tail. Is it like a middle of the back situation, lower back, or are we talking like up here so it has the best striking range? Neck tail. Uh, it's like lower middle. Back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like a lower lower middle back kind okay, of deal. Okay. It really does beg the question of what at what height does it lose the moniker tail and just become a tentacle? You know, I don't think we hmm. have the time to get into that, but I think the answer might be the rib cage. I don't know if we have time to it's a tailtable. <laughs> it's a tailtable. So I actually uh, stumbled onto Allie and Doug because they play um, the parents in Sounds Like Crows Campaign One. Are you guys? Are you calling it Campaign One, World One, yeah. Book One? Yeah, we didn't think that through. What What happened is that five years ago, Cameron was like, "Hey, I know you want to call the campaign Sounds Like Crows, but maybe we should be forward thinking and name the feed something else." And I was like, "Ah, that's a problem for future Caleb." <laughs> so, now, <laughs> so now that we're here, uh, we're calling it Campaign One or, or the Deadlands Campaign. Uh, okay. Either is good. Sure. So, are you guys still playing Deadlands system in uh, in Terminus? We're using the same system, but the the setting is all our own. So, we're using Savage Worlds Adventure Edition, uh, and then we're just putting our own uh, setting stuff on it, just like Doug and Ali have done for their show. So that uh, that's actually what I meant. I forgot that Savage Lands and and um, uh, Dead, the Deadlands and Savage World are, are different, and I get those two a little bit uh, backwards sometimes, but that actually brings up something that I wanted to talk about. Our game system is actually uh, almost the exact same, and I discovered this because I bought one of the expansions, specifically the Cowboys uh, expansion, um, and in the back, there's like three pages on how to adapt the system. And it's uh, hmm. and then there's a little thing that says the reason that we include this is because this was written by the creator of um, Savage Worlds or Savage is it Savage Lands? It's Savage Worlds, yeah. Savage, Savage Worlds. Worlds. Okay, yeah. that's where I get them mixed up because one's lands, one's worlds. So the yeah. basically where you guys have a, you guys are rolling for a base four, right? And then your stats are uh, you know a D four through a, what a D eight D twelve. And based on how strong you are in something, uh, the in our system, um, which is Unisystem, uh, which you guys might be familiar with from All Flesh Must Be Eaten, CJ Carell's Witchcraft. Um, it, it's a it, we're rolling a D10 for a nine, and then you have a one through typically a five is generally human max for the applicable stat. Um, but other than that, there's almost uh, no differences. It's, uh, you know, obviously there's the small differences, but that's mostly like the settings thing. But there is one element that you guys uh, use, which I find really interesting, the adventure cards. So would you guys want to talk about that real quick and just like how that kind of um, ties into the storytelling? Because it's a very story-driven element. God, I fucking love adventure cards. <laughs> They're so much fun. Okay. They're a lot of fun. They uh, they really 
they just have the potential to upend every situation in the best ways, and I'm all about it. So, uh, yeah. Caleb, our Caleb and Liz, I don't think really know much about adventure cards. Uh, I'm not sure how many they've used in, in Crows where Caleb's at. I think he's he's in uh, season two. So just like from the base. What is an adventure card? Because I'm assuming just like a deck of cards and, you know, you do 52 pickup and this is the adventure now. <laughs> that is an adventure. <laughs> yeah, well, you're you're correct in the baseline. Uh, so the adventure deck is a secondary peripheral that you can get uh, for Savage Worlds Adventure Edition through the Pinnacle Entertainment Group, who are the creators of Savage Worlds. Uh, it's a 54 card deck by default, but each uh, subsystem often has like a supplementary mini deck that you can add that might have cards specific for that setting or giving an additional twist. Uh, basically, there are a couple of ways you can go about dealing them out. The way we do it is at the beginning of a session, everybody gets one, maybe two adventure cards. And then during play, they can choose to play one of their cards and it might be uh, narrative control. Like Ali's favorite card is love interest. <laughs> you can play it on an NPC to make them mechanically have a romantic mm. interest in your character, but it comes oh, with a complication mm-hmm. that Listen, they're going just, to cause, com- you know, issues. I just love love. Is that a crime? Not at all. <laughs> but it gets you into trouble sometimes. Yeah, all um, the time. But there's stuff like turncoat. That the one that's what actually exactly what I was going to say. There was one played in the episode that I was listening to today, uh, and it was turncoat. And it was it was played in a very pinnacle moment early on in the Terminus campaign. I, I don't want to spoil anything there, but uh, so y- yeah, that's that's a great one, uh, Doug. You want to go uh, tell us a little bit about that? Because was it you that played that? Uh, I think it was. Um, now that I'm, I pulled that one out of my head, but I think that is accurate based on what you said. Uh, but turncoat, yeah, you just play it during a situation to turn a minor enemy to your cause to get some sort of favor like they'll reveal something or betray somebody else or just give you a stepping stone to move the narrative forward and that's generally how most of the adventure cards work i really like that yeah that's really fun it's it's a very abstract system for for helping people take control of the story and i really like it as a gm uh, by giving players that type of control that i don't know about so I have no idea what cards they have during play, and it's really fun to have them throw me curveballs and just oh, really? okay. it too. Oh, yeah. Kind of cool. mix it up for you, too. Oh, that that's really fun. I that's like that. very fun, yeah. You guys also, one thing that uh, Savage Worlds does use the binnies, and we actually have adopted that uh, because there's, a, there's basically an experience token earning system in Unisystem, and so I've just uh, started letting the cast members burn experience tokens in play. Um, and it's been it's been very great. We did we did hit a point where I realized I forgot to put a cap on how many times it could be done, and some death saves got rerolled like twelve <laughs> times. And I was like, "All right, you, you can't stop me. I'm going to spend every single one of those little <laughs> bastards because I roll high enough that I get more." That's pretty good. <laughs> you got to know how to game the system. And from what I've heard, it was an incredibly cinematic moment. And from what I heard, we made people cry. Maybe me, maybe not. I won't. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a good moment. It's It hasn't aired yet. I was out of the room for it, so I actually haven't heard it yet. Oh, that's right. So, um, Caleb Sunstead, I, I, I'm curious about uh, what I asked Doug and Allie earlier. So about, I, I know you guys have to do a lot more uh, post-production, but what I'm really curious about is in Terminus especially, but even in in the Deadlands campaign, the players have so much agency 
you pitch to them a lot for like descriptions of things, scenery, new characters, NPCs, like, hey, uh, how do you think this person looks? Um, and then especially like, I feel like that's been turned up to 11 in Terminus because so far where I'm at only five episodes in, there's been a very intense um, sort of espionage story going on. And there's been so much um, lore asked about and answered in character. And it, it, to the point that, and, and this also comes from having been recently listening to neon heat to the point that I kept forgetting whether it was Doug or Caleb actually running the game because Doug would go on about a description or something. And then I just flash into neon heat in my brain. And then all of a sudden Caleb was back and I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, Caleb's on the steps. Oh no, wait, I'm listening to Terminus. He's the DM. That's right. And and that goes for honestly everyone. I, Isaac's had a few moments like that. So do you guys just really graft out the characters and what they know and then let that play? How does that sort of work and, and how much of that is on the table? How much of it is pre-written and how much do you record after? Sure. Um, yeah. Talking about Terminus specifically, I would say um, I'm like Doug where I just write bullet notes generally, uh, bullet point notes generally, but uh, at the beginning of like big sessions or whenever I can, like I, I've genuinely tried to write these sort of uh, – you know, quite a few paragraphs of description that edit out to like two or six minutes because uh, I had a very specific tone I wanted to go for. And there's a lot of um, there's a lot of themes competing for attention. And so I've tried to put in these things that are like, hey, it's a it's a fucking Western. It's a mm-hmm. Western guys. Oh, Remember, yeah. it's a Western right now. <laughs> I was playing a clip for Liz yesterday and you said guitar and yeah. she went guitar. And I said, hey, yeah. guitar. <laughs> dude thank you i was so proud of that Uh, but for most things um i don't write descriptions for the first um campaign i don't think i wrote down a single thing that i read at the table except um one speech i gave in the middle of the campaign because i wanted it to be very specific and knew i couldn't do that at the table um for me with lore and descriptions i think the the cheat code is just not really giving a shit about what the end product looks like. Okay. And if, if players introduce something, unless it contradicts something I'm going to do in the plot, which most of the time you can just pivot around, I just let it happen. Like on uh, the first session of Terminus that we heard, Isaac was like, oh yeah, th- this guy from this family. And I built that yeah. family as like, there is Yes, Tag yeah. Wilder. <laughs> I, I had built out this session. I built out this family as there is one child in this family for a very specific reason. And he said Tag Wilder. And I went, cool. I didn't even bring it up. Mm-hmm. And then I just went and changed my notes. That's, That's created a bunch a great of problems name too. for it me. It writes half the character for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Um, Fucking Tag. But like, it, it doesn't really matter right um i think in the first campaign there's only been one moment where i've ever stopped isaac but one thing i really like about playing with isaac is that's what i wish all my players did all the time where you just say whatever you want and establish it as fact like 
there was one moment in the first campaign where they were breaking out of a prison and nobody had any weapons. And he just he just says this line where he's like, yeah, I pick up a shotgun that's laying on the ground, grab it, swing it up and start shooting. And in my head for half a second, I was like, whoa, you can't you can't do that. There's not a shotgun here. And then I thought about it and I was like, it doesn't actually matter. It doesn't affect the plot mm-hmm. or the story in any way. And so I'd rather just let players like keep rolling and keep going with it. Yeah. Now, if he says, I pull up the Gatling gun that's sitting right there, you know. Right, right, <laughs> right, exactly, which yeah. which is why he's a good player, right? Because he understands that there are, there are limits, but uh, it's just the right amount where it makes me a little bit uncomfortable, and then I get mm-hmm. to just keep running and try to figure out how to work it in, kind of like adventure cards, right? But he's just doing adventure cards all the time yeah. on a really in minor his scale. Brain all the time. And he's afraid. Yeah, I think it's your brother, yeah. right? Your older brother. Yes, yes, yeah. How long have you got? Have you guys been playing together since you know infancy? Or oh man, yeah, pretty much. Um, so, so uh, I have I have three brothers and three sisters. Um, oh wow! Okay. And growing up, we we had two bedrooms. So uh, me and all my brothers got crammed into two bunk beds in one room, Tight. and then all my sisters got the other room. Mm-hmm. And so uh, growing up, we would play like audiobooks. We we call them books on tape, right? Because they were literally cassettes. As as we were going to sleep, you know, uh, mostly so we couldn't hear Corbin snoring. And then uh, <laughs> Isaac just started doing this thing where. Like some of my earliest memories is he would he was an avid reader and at night he just started like inventing stories on the fly based loosely on these books. And then some of them I think were interactive in a little bit. And then when I was seven, he started running um a D twenty modern game, kind of. It lasted like a couple sessions mm-hmm. and no one knew what we were doing yeah and then he uh fucked me over one day isaac (laughs) when i was uh 10 when i was 10 okay there was this board game called heroescape which i was very excited about yeah and we we had these plans for saturday okay one of the one of his like older friends that he knew like literally got permission to use their office for a saturday and they had been setting up terrain the whole night before it was like a miniatures game and boom i was going to wake up in the morning and i was going to go play heroescape with all these guys and i wake up in the morning at 10 30 and isaac isn't there I'm 10 years old. I go downstairs. I'm like, hey, where's Isaac? And my mom was like, oh, yeah, he went to go like play that dumb game. And I was devastated. I was crushed. (laughs) Oh, no. He didn't take you. That is an Abel Crow move. That's (laughs) a pure Abel Crow move. Wow. And so he comes he comes home. My mom told him how upset I was probably. I didn't tell him I was that upset. He was like, hey, man, listen. Listen, tomorrow I'm going to go play this game. It's called Dungeons and Dragons. You can't go. T- you can't tell mom and dad because, like, they banned Harry Potter. They banned Lord of the Rings. They were like conservative, anti magic. And so he was like, "Hey, listen, ten year old Caleb, you can't tell mom and dad, but you can come with me tomorrow and play Dungeons and Dragons." You know. So uh, and then we played in that game, and then uh, yeah, I was I was kind of hooked. The GM was an asshole, but uh, yeah, I was I was hooked, and he was really. Uh, he started going to college, I think, when I was 13, probably. And I was like, hey, we, I want to keep playing games. And he was like, I do not have time to do that. But if you want to run a game, I will play in your game. And then when I was 13, I just started running games for like the same group that he developed, essentially. 
Amazing. That's awesome. What a what a yeah. great way to like hand that's it really off cool. to the you know the next generation, if you will. Like that's really cool. So Ali and Doug, did you guys uh, start playing together after you got together, or was this one of the things that brought you guys together? Uh, we actually. Shit, when did we start playing? We start after we were together. So I I had forays into TTRPGs when I was younger, but really not to any major extent. Like I just I. I was very closeted in my nerddom, so I didn't have a group of people to play or experience that with, mm, but I had all the all the core D&D 3.5 core books I bought and just read because I I figured I learned about it one day and it blew my mind. I was like there's this it's fantasy storytelling, but you play it yourself. You get to make the story, but there's rules. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Little you rubbing your hands together. It's such an amazing, mind-blowing thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Blew my mind, but I had nobody to play with. Uh, maybe one person that I tried to with, and we had no idea what we were doing, and there was only two of us, and it, it just didn't work. So I read in silence for years, and my first real foray into it was um, Vampire the Masquerade. Oh, yeah. uh, I joined a friend's oh. uh, online game through an MIRC internet chat where it was perpetual 24 uh, seven with like 20 or 30 people who played and every different chat room was like a place in the city. So you'd travel in real time and there was a wiki and stuff. It's crazy. That's uh, awesome. But we didn't get it. Yeah, it was very cool. Uh, we didn't get into conventional TTRPG stuff until probably like six years ago now after we that were married sounds right yeah we'd moved we we'd been in florida we moved back we just started playing yeah we got involved in some D and a friend had created like a different subsystem which needed some play testing we're like yes please yeah it was really cool um and that's kind of where yeah. we got started so. play testing is a great way to get into some of those independent games too and just like the freedom of of having a friend or if it's you you know you yourself to just be like hey I I, I want to play the I want to play a game, but I don't want to play any of those games. Let's just get like three D D sixes. You know, let's grab a Yahtzee set and then just build it from there. Um, you know, that was me in high school too, with you know my small nerd group of friends. Because I also very well, I watched Harry Potter. I think for the th first time at sixteen, maybe something like that. And you had to like sneak out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was very scandalous at the time. I had a, that conversation, mom. I'm going to read Harry Potter. I don't think it's going to send me to hell. And she was like, all right, <laughs> you're probably right. It's like, cool. I already read the first two. Find out. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, my church burned Pokemon plushies in the parking lot. Oh, good the Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And they bought them. It didn't make any sense. They purchased them to burn them. <laughs> and then breathed in the noxious fumes. I mean, really. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the sound of the Nike swoosh just hangs in the air. Um, so <laughs> speaking of villains, I – okay. So the first campaign of Crows – is so freaking phenomenal. And I just have to fan out a little bit about it because it's just, it's such a good example of a couple of things. I want to talk about a couple of them without spoiling okay, it. we're not doing it. like spoilers or we're anything. not spoiling okay, cool, it. Because I'm like halfway through um, season two. Yeah, actually, actually, Caleb, take, uh, our, our Caleb, take your headphones off for two seconds. Okay. Uh, Death yeah. and Resurrection. 
And uh, the other things that yeah. that occur in those in those he's getting coffee. Oh, he's getting coffee now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, so you know the the death and resurrection um, arc, and it, it's phenomenal. The villains in the show are also extremely, extremely compelling. One in particular I, that I think you were talking about the breakout from the prison sequence earlier. Yeah, and uh, I did already talk about this I think before, but the the computer is is that the same sequence where they're breaking out from the scientist? I can't remember her name. Oh, Tabitha. Tabitha. Oh, God. Tabitha is so scary. Tabitha. That's right. Tabitha's a scary name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Uh, you would not be the first person to confuse those, so do not feel bad. Uh, but no, I think uh, Tabitha was, yeah, with all the wires and stuff. Yeah, That is one of my favorite character voices you've done. It was just so stilted and different and just – it, it just too. like – I don't know. It just made my skin crawl a little bit. So congratulations. Aww, <laughs> the thanks. cadence was uh, very off kilter. I'm glad that Ali said it so I didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. You did a good thanks. creepy voice, dude. It's, uh, you know, uh, you know, I just, I hey, steal buddy. from the best. I steal from the best. <laughs> um, if anybody's played Half-Life 2, I just did a really bad G-Man impression. And uh, yeah, worked out great. Perfect. Yeah. It's great. My next character is just a yes man impression from New Vegas. Get ready for that. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Or is I'm not doing flick from Bug Life? You'll never know. I remember when Tabitha first was introduced in Crows. I came into the room and played a clip of your voice for Liz. And I believe I played it for Caleb, uh, for our Caleb too. And we, we have a villain in, um, in Droughtland who is a very similar voice. And it's very difficult to nail. It's extremely, extremely challenging. Mm. Do you spend a lot of time talking to yourself? Just practicing your voices. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if I could do that voice. What is it? It's like the... The, the right man in the wrong place makes all the difference in the world. Uh, oh, I don't like it. Oh, it's I don't so like that. creepy, dude. So scary. I have not gotten to that part yet. Good, that's good. Well, that's not that. It's not, you know, that's like knowing Christopher Watkins in a show. You know, yeah. it's fine. It's yeah. not a spoiler. <laughs> that's what I'm um, saying. Knowing that there's a character named Tabitha and she has a creepy voice, that's all that you need to know, you know, about that. Yeah. But, oh, my goodness, it is a terrifying um, character. I spend, uh, man, I, I've really fallen off recently. That's that's something I've been internally fighting for like the last four months is I'm like, where did my time go that I was practicing these voices all the time? Because, um, yeah, it's pretty significant. When a character uh, grabs me, I just kind of do them in every available moment for uh, a, a while, like weeks and weeks and weeks. I'll work on one character voice. Um Thomas Crane, I worked on for mm. I don't know how long, two months or something. Um, Tabitha, I I've been doing that since uh, I was a kid, uh, since I played that game, honestly. Um, but there's a lot of mimicry, like that's a very important factor. <laughs> I know, yeah, really helps. I know, and mm-hmm. I'm uh, that's a nice thing about switching from Deadlands to uh, Terminus is suddenly I can like use all the English accents I had no use for. In oh a, yeah. Uh, <laughs> An 1880s yeah. American game. Making um, a character British in a Deadlands game is like that's your character. Yeah. You're you're done. Yeah, you are British. Yeah. 
that's like insta bad guy too like you know the british guy yeah. in the <laughs> old west is is a bad guy <laughs> yeah wait hold uh, on. absolutely wasn't, wasn't orson a he is he's he's british isn't he oh yeah he is yeah he I is orson. he he's not through the orson arc you're gonna you're gonna love um you're gonna love orson i think i mean uh, i've already yeah yeah. I've already enjoyed what I've heard. They're just about to go to the uh, the werewolf ball. Cool. Um, it is a very. It's always hard to accept a new character in an AP. I feel, but the payoff for Orson when you get there is is really good. So good. Um. So yeah, I. I uh, Doug spends a lot of time on voices too. Um. I couldn't tell you. Like, I'd say it's probably not that much. It's probably an hour per week or something like that. If you put all the time together. Um, uh, what I end up doing a lot is I'll just be in prep mode and I'll be thinking about stuff. And at some point I just start talking as a character and then kind of without realizing it an hour later, I've just been walking to my, around my house, like having <laughs> an imaginary conversations, you know? And do you live by yourself? No, it was much no. easier when I lived by myself. But, I was gonna um, say. <laughs> my roommate, my roommate puts up with it. My roommate puts up with it. I just tell people that's what I'm doing. Uh, at work, I used to be able to do uh, do them while I was doing dishes at work, and I was just mm-hmm. like, "Hey, I do this for my podcasts. Just you know, it's fine. Leave me alone. Ignore uh, me. I, it's it's not a med imbalance. <laughs> also, listen, it sounds like Chris. Yes. Yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but if if I was to give. Um, actual advice what i think is actually helpful is just go pick a character from a a tv show um youtube is kind of great recently because people have started to make these um uh compilations of every time x is on screen like every time cad Mm. bane is on screen Mm -hmm. and i i just sit there but um in the past i would just take a five minute scene that featured a character heavily and i would just repeat that scene 10 20 times mimicking every line until i was done with it and then once you're done with that then i start playing around with like saying other words because i find um the first time you like say a word in a voice is always like a bit of a discovery process Mm -hmm. and so i'll end up just having going through the conversation i imagine they're going to have with the players by myself like in character just talking to myself and then hopefully like flesh fleshing out their vocabulary you know there are some character voices where i don't know until we're at the table that oh this character can't say this word i need to course correct (laughs) yeah (laughs) this does not work also i you know at at live games it's much different at like uh, table games i end up trying to do a voice failing and then just rolling with what i accidentally did but for the show i'll be like okay everybody hold on and then everybody will laugh at me while i go talk and the mm. talk to myself for 10 seconds and then i keep being like fuck i had this voice last night why can't i fucking do this right now and then i just cut all that you know well, I, i'm always impressed by your ability to do voices uh my myself that's one of my weak points because every single accent i try to do just comes out kiwi and <laughs> well, this is me this is my russian accent hello uh it's a strong <laughs> russian you sound great yeah uh, yeah this is my spanish accent hello uh, it's a rare dialect yeah i love i love spain Spain's great. Uh, Love it. <laughs> tortillas are omelets here. It's crazy. How about how's your Scottish though? How's it going? I'm from Scotland. Uh, I love, <laughs> I love sheep. Uh, sheep and tatars. 
Yes. Wow, that's really good. That's really good, actually. I don't know what you mean, Caleb. You're flawless in like every language you've tried. Uh, how's it going? Um, <laughs> how's it going? I'm from Nigeria. Uh, I love Nigerian food. Did five new people join the call? <laughs> My goodness, it's so good. Uh, it's just amazing. The whole world is Auckland. One of my favorite twists early on in Neon Heat was the the uh, reveal that Athena doesn't actually have that accent, uh, and, which I, I think <laughs> it's only maybe the first episode. <laughs> what? The first episode, yeah, and she's cool. introduced just with a oh, an Irish accent, and then what? You know, one of the characters like. Why are you talking like that? And it just, that's the kind of joke that <laughs> because I, missed you. I would never think to think far enough ahead to like really enjoy to, for that amount of comedy to like seed it all the way through and then to pay off something like that. Oh, hello. So joining us uh, Taylor. from the West Coast, <laughs> oh. we have oh, my brother-in-law, Taylor. Taylor, uh, I believe you know Allie and Doug. Hello, Taylor. Hi. Welcome, welcome. You're very quiet, so let's see Hi. if you need to turn your yeah, turn your. Hello, self, everyone. Uh, Sorry, I'm howdy. a super late. Hello. Hi. If you weren't so damn beautiful, be I'd be upset. That's what she said. Without trying to spoil it too much, we have to talk about the flashback storyline in the first, uh, in the first Crows campaign. Allie and Doug's development of the characters of Hiram and um oh shoot what's her what's her name meadow meadow yes 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 meadow just like i had it's to... okay i i legitimately don't know any of my players characters names right now like, <laughs> i couldn't tell you so <laughs> fine. on our last campaign josiah could not stop calling me the name of my twin sister in the game he just like couldn't get it <laughs> you just swapped well, him every time <laughs> It's just getting character. <laughs> the names are Lavender and Coriander. Ah. Let's see. I, I did want to give everyone else a, a chance to, to, to ask some questions, but I do want to go back to Hiram and Meadow. Uh, we, I, when listening through some of these scenes, the intensity of these characters and Hiram's friend who was played, who, who played Hiram's friend in those? Uh, I did that. I did that. It was Caleb. Yeah. That was you. Okay. I was trying to remember. Cause you guys yeah. have a lot of characters and a lot of guests and I couldn't totally remember. Oh, yeah. uh, having all three of you guys in this call, we just have to dive into what it was like recording some of those scenes. Cause that those scenes get really intense and and anyone who doesn't want spoilers you can you know we can try and mute you can skip ahead a little bit uh so but some of those scenes the relationship dynamics there are just raw and real and like it pushes actual play it, it, in genuinely in my opinion to like the next level like there's a lot of great shows that get a lot of really good intense scenes you know adventure time NADPOD uh, or Adventure Zone, <laughs> uh, you know, all of the big guys create really good moments. But I think Crows was and is an example of pushing those moments. Um, you know, sort of like they talked about, uh, I think, on the office, uh, one of the office podcasts, pushing the silent moment between Pam and Jim and a few of those moments. Uh, to like 30 seconds of silence or you know 60 seconds of silence it's just unheard of in 
the medium at the time, like you didn't have that on TV shows. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm sure that there are other shows that have explored that kind of thing. But for me, Crows was one of the first introductions of like, this medium can really be pushed uh, farther and into a place that's like genuinely real and visceral to the point that I had to stop listening to an episode and you know, take a step away because it's stirring up feelings in the listener. And that's, you know, you can have comedy all day long and that's great. But the, that's achieving that sort of raw, emotional, visceral reaction is, I think, what every artist sort of strives for. So what was that like recording those for you guys? Yeah, Meadow was a lot sadder than I expected her to be <laughs> under her feistier exterior. Um, I don't know. I just I don't know how to say this without spoilers. <laughs> uh, for me, it was very cathartic uh to be able to come in and know that we were playing to influential characters and that there was a definitive end to the story in sight and it was just about connecting the dots to reaching the end um and knowing that we had major beats that we needed to hit along the way um figuring out the dynamics as we went forward and how all these characters interacted um, the the smaller and greater betrayals, what they actually meant to one another, why they continued to push forward and do the things that they did, and how they ended up at the place they did. It's it, it was really fulfilling to be able to Absolutely. to just sit down and uh, not even just the scenes between Hiram and Meadow, but especially uh, Mal Malachi uh, that Caleb Mal. did with. <laughs> oh. With Caleb also basically being director to to be able to feed like I mean it, it's still an AP right but we had direction in the sense that we knew the tones and the emotional mm -hmm. beats that we needed to mm -hmm. hit in some capacity and then being able to like Caleb talked about earlier um, world build on the fly or you know create things about the characters that would resonate and match that purpose and then be able to follow through with it and, and really make it real. And that's that's the magic to me is being able to to bring characters to life and have meaning. They they definitely came to life. I think Doug's being pretty generous in uh, as far as my directorial skills, um, because what I remember about those sessions is uh, a lot of anxiety. Like they were really fun, but um, I'm a very anxious person and one thing I love about RPGs is you have to enter, if you're running them, you have to enter this almost Zen-like state where you're not thinking about anything else and you're just, you're playing this thing as it's going on and you don't have an opportunity to do anything else. The only negative thing I remember about those sessions is that uh, there were some times where I was just like, we spent so much time out of character that I got really in my own head and both these two really, uh, both these two people really talked me down a lot of times, uh, which maybe you guys don't remember because I was editing it and, you know, every 10 minutes would just be me going, fuck, this is so stupid. This is so fucking stupid <laughs> the entire oh, time. No. Uh, but I like I if you would aren't not, feeling that, that are you making anything worthwhile, though? You know, like, isn't that what isn't sure. that crest <laughs> like just being on that cusp of yeah. like this sucks and this is amazing. I feel like that's the right. zone where you uh, know you're making something worthwhile. That being said, though, uh, I think everything else was an absolute treat. Working with Doug and Allie in that way was so insanely cool that I just want to go back to doing that 
all the time. It's really stressful, but we'd sort of approach it where we'd spend three hours getting 30 minutes of content, like 45 minutes of content, maybe. Um, sometimes it was like three hours for 15 minutes. And it was such an insane experience of like, we're, we're going to talk for 15 minutes about these characters' motivations and where we want the story to go. And let's not forget anything we have to set up. And then let's spend two minutes playing it out. And then let's do that again over and over and over. Um, and there were times where it just went. There were quite a few of those where we just sped all the way through and a bunch of stuff happened that I didn't intend to happen. Um, I think Hiram is a much bigger character than I envisioned in my head. And after recording it, I don't see how we possibly could have done it without him being that big of a character. Also, they helped develop Mal, which I can't imagine what the show would be without Mal at this point, but he wasn't even a fucking character before I talked to these two people, you know? And we just needed uh, an agent to do a lot of the stuff in the show. Did you guys know each other before Crows started airing, or was that what brought you guys together? No, um, I, <laughs> I actually started listening to Crows on a very long road trip day that I had to make solo. Um, After I told you to start listening to <laughs> because it was recommended to me by a friend that I worked with. Genuinely, that's when I listened to Crows as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had started listening and I was like, I was just very taken in by the first episode and I was like, wow. I can't believe all these brothers got together. Fucking listen! I was like, "Wow, all brothers, huh?" <laughs> it's, it's hard to tell from the start, yeah. But... Yeah, because the chemistry was so good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the chemistry was just so good. So I like, I did my best. And I caught up real quick, and then I, when I was caught up, I hopped on the Patreon, and I was like, "Hi, I'm here." I drew art. <laughs> there you go. It's <laughs> good art. Um, one, one thing Allie does for their show, which is fucking insane. Um, I've known a lot of people. Um, Allie, no offense, Doug, works the hardest of any human being I've ever met. <laughs> yeah. She draws <laughs> art, art for every NPC that exists in their show. Correct? What? Every single one. That's pretty much accurate, Caleb. Yeah, like 95% plus. Every single one. That's bonkers. Everyone should absolutely go check out. It's at You See the Hat on Twitter. There's so much art, like new art coming through. If you can find it buried in the cat memes. Well, you know, there's also cat memes. I mean, if you have to sift through cat memes, is it really a problem at all? Like, That's what I was saying. Absolutely thinking. not. I came here to post art and post cat memes, and I'm all out of cat memes. Cat memes are art. Uh, I, I am really bad about uh, listening or doing anything. I do it in like these cycles, right? Like these waves of I get really into stuff and then I don't do anything for months. So, uh, Dude, yeah. <laughs> what the hell's up with that? Because that didn't used to be how I operated. And now I'm like, eh, I haven't listened to a podcast in eight months. You're, you're doing nothing is doing 80 hours of work. Um, yeah, you're right, you're right. But their their Patreon <laughs> their Patreon Discord, there's little blurbs for each character attached to their character art. You can just scroll mm -hmm. through it. So whenever I'm like, who the fuck is this character? I can just look it up and that's really nice. And I think about all the poor people that are listening to my show that don't have that resource. 
and I feel bad. Not bad enough to pay anyone to do anything about it, but I do <laughs> feel bad. <laughs> the character art for Terminus is so fucking good. It's really good. Oh my god, go follow at Wolfgang Shurik. Uh, give that guy some commission money because uh, it is a steal currently. It is uh-huh. a fucking – he is going to be – oh, my God. He's going to be literally 100 times his current price in like three years. I swear yep. to God. It's going to happen. He's insanely talented and he's just a wonderful human being as well. He, a joy to work with. What's what's his URL? At Wolfgand, I think. Wolf. Uh, I think it's Wolfgand Shurik. Well, okay. K or a C. I, I know how to spell that. I can't look it up. Is it a CK? Maybe. <laughs> or is it a, is it the uh, the forbidden KC? <laughs> While we look that up, I want to I want to give the opportunity for Caleb, uh, our Caleb and Taylor. Did if if you guys had any questions for Doug, Ali, or Cable, because you missed this part, Taylor. <laughs> but uh, since we have two Caleb's, and uh, we did decide. Our Caleb is Beta Caleb, um, but we also decided that Caleb Sunset is going to go by Cable so that we can keep it straight. So, and then we literally didn't do it once, and then we didn't do it at all. But uh, (laughs) I I wanted to give you guys uh, just a real quick three to five to ask these guys any questions you guys had. I also have some time. I don't know about you, Doug and Allie, but I don't need to be done in ten minutes. Oh yeah, we we're we're free tonight. I. I've got to go to bed at some point, but <laughs> at some point. See, you don't have the work ethic it takes, Caleb. Okay. <laughs> I mean, my son literally just had surgery today, and I told him he can get over it. I got to go record with crows. He had a tonsillectomy, okay? He He'll be fine. I had one. Mom. Many of us have them. Be more like Taylor, Caleb. No, mom, is, <laughs> mom is with him. Taylor's a ter- I'm not a terrible person. No. <laughs> well, that's, that's debatable. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I guess my time or my question would be like time wise. Like, I mean, I know like we all probably like still work like full time or at least, you know, full time day jobs. Where do do you just like squeeze it in where you can or do you just like set aside like, all right, this is my Saturday and this is what I'm doing today. I'm going to record for eight hours. I've just been trying to do like little bits here and there. Like I was just in the car the other day and I asked a friend of mine to record a bumper because I needed somebody who could do an actual Minnesota accent instead of like, yeah, how's it going? I'm from Minnesota. I love, uh, <laughs> I love the Mall of America. It's like my favorite thing. That's, that's just a bad South African. <laughs> um, well, do you want to hear Allie's healthy approach first? Or okay, my- uh, we'll, we'll start with the healthy approach and then we'll go with the uh, the panicked uh, other thing that you do probably. We can go from order from like uh, the most healthy coping mechanisms to the least healthy and I'm guessing that's Allie. So Allie... <laughs> Um, so I used to, when we started the show, I was working full time nine to five as a, a government clerk, just doing paperwork, lowest, lowest rung on the government ladder, basically just putting it in. And I come home, do, do the editing. And like, I didn't have a ton of time, but then Caleb showed me how to edit in Reaper. And I was like, I have more time now. <laughs> um, cause audacity is a nightmare. Um, <laughs> can confirm. But like over the pandemic, I've been I was working from home, still doing my government job for most of it. And I just like 
I just wasn't happy doing it. And I didn't have time to like do, I didn't have time to draw or edit. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to quit my job. Oh my gosh. And Doug was extremely supportive (laughs) for the first couple of months where I was floundering and like, what the fuck am I going to do? And then I just started like accumulating small jobs here and there doing editing and illustration work. And I've managed to cobble together a freelance career, which is kind of fucking wild. That's amazing. That's crazy. That's so cool. I feel I feel I'm very proud, but also very if you guys nervous. listening don't understand how she pulled this off, do go check out her Twitter and then it will be clear because it really is. It's great art. I'm waiting for your first comic to come out. I'm wait. I'm, I don't know if you're working on oh, one. If I had the time to do a comic. <laughs> you could commission her to do a comic. That's you know? true. <laughs> Then she has to do it. That's true. I would have to do it. Reasonably priced. We'll talk. I still have two kidneys. I can probably sell one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, the comics are going for about half a kidney right now, so you can just lock it off, have it in the fridge for later. You know, that's how that works, right? Actually, I might have one. Let me check. (laughs) So, Doug, are you... Other than being hella supportive, and you're you you don't edit right, so this is a huge that's a huge part of the time commitment. But prepping the sessions now with Neon Heat, your guys's world is so rich. I imagine you had to spend what a couple months making that all that stuff before you delved into it. How much of that was sort of discovered along the way versus like a premise, and then you just go from there? I I love world building and just writing Same. characters yeah. and creating fun stuff so it 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 basically always lives in my head all the time and i i can kind of turn it on but i often can't turn it off so i just have to work in manic bursts when i have the energy and the inspiration to do so uh we definitely just slowly over time world built like we knew that we wanted to do something but we didn't know what form it was going to take and i think once it was probably when Critical Role hit the mainstream and I was like, oh, this is a thing that you can do. Like people like this. This is amazing. This is TTRPGs and audio. Con- like this is two things that I love pushed together. Perfect. You know, <laughs> now <magic>. kiss. Yeah. Now kiss. I love interest. <laughs> <laughs> what a callback. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, this is what I want to do. So we kind of set things in motion there and we figured, you know, okay, now we need to start figuring things out. So we started hashing out more details and the world itself and the type of character and the type of story she wanted to do. All those things slowly trickled together we probably started like a year or two before we started recording, but we didn't yeah. really work in earnest to pull those things together until a few months before we launched mm-hmm. when we had a pretty concrete idea of the core of the setting. Ha, the Corey of the setting. Oh, boom. <laughs> they did it. The Corey of the setting, yeah. <laughs> um, and just the general premise of what we wanted to do. And from that point, I I knew that we had to start because I have that perfectionist nature where like I have this perfect vision of what I want, but you can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good or you're never going to get anything done, at least in my experience. So, yeah, um, we actually when it, we got the we got this audio equipment after a very good convention where I we used to do a lot of artist alleys and sell there just sci-fi comic cons anime cons it was a ton of fun pandemic pandemic to put a damper on that Um, oh yeah and it did yep 
for for a couple of years, Liz and I were running a, a group of several different artists, and we kind of collaborated and did, and then we would manage the the booths and whatnot. So we're very familiar with that world. Nice. And then I got to be the guy in the uh, in the mask, running around and handing out business cards. Yeah, business cards. <laughs> Perfect. Nice. While, while being creepy, it's like, hello. Would you like a business card? <laughs> Take it, please. I insist. You, you didn't happen to be at Genghis Khan in 2019, did you? <laughs> uh, legally, I can't say. Uh, I've been told not to uh, disclose such information in a public forum. <laughs> Shit, why, why did I start talking about that? You're talking about conventions oh, for buying yeah. audio equipment? Um, yeah. Well, we were just like, okay, we did well enough at this convention. We we can put a, put aside this much to invest in our startup. Gotcha. Okay, so we gotcha, got a yeah. mixer, we got two mics, we got some stands. Um, we just made sure we had uh, some audio proofing in the room, dampeners. But uh, the first thing we actually recorded was the first couple sessions of Absolute Zero before we even touched mm-hmm. Neon Heat because I wanted oh, to okay. make sure that the... I wanted to make sure I knew and understood the equipment before we jumped in. Because what if we fucked up the good one, you know? <laughs> yeah. And Caleb was instrumental in helping us figure Absolutely. all these things out. We met Caleb through Crows, of course, because uh, Allie jumped onto the Discord and we became friends and got to know each other and, you know, kind of let him know, hey, we kind of want we want to do our own thing. And what advice do you have? And he very generously donated his time and expertise to help us figure out that baseline. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Love you, bud. And a hand for cable. <laughs> hey, you're not you're not special. I'd do it for anybody. <laughs> I'd do it for anybody. Uh, yeah, I was surprised um, how good your y'all show was because I remember um, a lot of people. I shouldn't say it that way. That's so fucking pretentious. But a f- uh, maybe a dozen people had emailed me before then and were like, Hey, would you, I'm trying to do an AP. Would you help me out? And every single one of those before this point was like somebody that hadn't even started the process of doing anything and had nothing. And then I just, you know, and I spent time with them. I probably spent an hour to three hours with each of those people and walked them through what I thought they should do. And so it was very surprising when I was like, Oh yeah, sure. I'll, I'll help you out whatever you need. Cause I, I love it's fun talking about yourself, right? It's fun talking about the stuff <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely. happy about. Uh, teaching people is the best way to like understand the skill sets. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so Allie was like, hey, yeah, yeah, you know, check this out. And then she handed me a, a perfect episode. And I was like, what feedback do you want? And she was like, be as harsh as you want. And I was like, I give harsh feedback. Like, is, is that what you mm-hmm. want? I will rip this thing apart. And she was like, yeah. Sure. Always. I give like one note. I give like one note in a 50 minute episode. Um, it's insane how well produced that first episode is. It really puts to shame everything I did in the first season of Crows easily. Well, I had listened to the first season of Crows first, so I, I was on the inside yeah. of the house already. We all stand on the shoulders of giants or whatever. Or whatever. Actually, Taylor is Taylor is the reason that I started listening to Crows because 
Yeah. Uh, we were, Liz and I were living, um, well, in our RV in their driveway while I was renovating it, stripping it down and trying to rebuild it. So we spent about 18 months living there. And uh, you know, I was working with Taylor, building fences and decks and whatnot. And so you just all day doing physical work and, you know, you blow through all of the other audio content or whatever. And, you know, a little shout out, love NADPOD. NADPOD was the first one that I started on. You know, they have a great uh, mix of comedy and serious. And then, and Taylor was like, well, you know, ch check out uh, this one. I think he had mentioned Crows and uh, another one that's no longer being produced. I don't remember. And I was like, and this is a completely different experience. Like this is a different beast entirely yes. if you will from from you know critical role or whatever i don't actually listen to critical role little disclaimers i don't know shit about uh what matt mercer's doing over there i'm sure he's killing it i don't either <laughs> a lot of people say he's really good a lot of people say that if they were any good they would have found success by now i disagree <laughs> yeah right right <laughs> <laughs> they would have been picked up for a show by now yeah i'll, I'll say it i've said it i'll say it again matt mercer what a loser <laughs> i'm gonna put that on a shirt that you have to wear when you go meet him how do you get <laughs> yeah. we did call out uh freddie wong and challenge him to a fight in the parking lot of a 7-eleven oh, on our show yeah. a couple of months back so yeah. It was a Circle K in Gary, Indiana. <laughs> it wasn't Gary. It was it was the outskirts of Indianapolis because that's where fights happen. It's, it's weird why he wouldn't show up. Well, that's why he didn't show up. You got the place wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so Taylor, what what burning questions have you had now for years that you gotta that you gonna drop in on? Ah. Uh. So yeah. So the ADHD just ruins me when someone asks me like, "Do you have any questions for this?" The list of you know 150 questions gone, all of them gone. I have a similar problem when people tell me to introduce myself, and I'm like, I've never done an interesting thing in my life. I don't exactly. even know what my name is. Exactly. <laughs> Next question. What's your favorite book? I've never read a book before ever. Never read a book ever. <laughs> never read a book. So instead, instead, what, what, just, just what's like go your your first? If I say like best moment in. Uh, crows and crows yeah oh my god um from the first episode i was entranced uh you guys have a wonderful show bless but the moment the moment that like grabbed me and there was no turning back was the fight on the train with the judge yeah. mm -hmm. and so ev and everything that took place in that i just was yeah. Oh my gosh! From that point on, there was there was no option. Caleb actually just listened to the, the fight on the train, which was what Taylor. Oh, okay, cool. I literally yeah. just went through it. Yeah, dang, nice. Yeah, I had I had a long drive to Minnesota, and I was like, all right, well, I know what I'm listening to. Actually, that, and I'll, I'll let you get to what you're saying. Uh, uh, what I do want to call out about that fight specifically is the whole introduction to the final episode. I, I think it's the final episode of, the, of that first season, right? You guys go, I mean, you've been doing it the whole season, but especially that moment uh, that you, you talk about the camera angles, you talk about how is this yeah. how is this shot approaching it like screenwriting and ask the screenwriter that, was a big appeal to me. Um, and that was something that like, I mean, a, a good description is always a good description. Right. But like, 
I've been running games for 10, 12 years. And I, I, I was like, oh, and that made a change to me. Like that in my brain, I went, oh, you can just say like, we pan up. Instead of, you know, like you can, you can give those visual clues because that's a common language that all of us, we've all watched a Western, you know, we've all watched, we know the shot. And, and instead of spending the, you know, you can just be like, this is what the camera does, (laughs) you know? And I think that was really transformative to me. I really, um, yeah. First of all, um, I, I guess, let me talk about the camera stuff first. Um, on the camera thing, I stole that because the the AP that inspired me was uh, campaign, and that's something Cat Cool did a lot. Is describe camera shots. The first um, sentence in that show, I think, is the camera pans down from a starscape into like a spaceship, and we see this, and we see this uh, man sitting there, and here's how he's sitting and stuff. Um, and I don't use it as often in real life games or uh, for fun games as I do for podcast games. Um, But I think there is something incredibly valuable about, um, first of all, that thing you do as a DM where you're constantly resetting the scene where like a, a round finishes of combat or like a player wasn't paying attention and you describe the whole scene for them. It's an excuse to re-describe a scene without making it feel like it's repetition. It's getting to uh, set this the stage for everyone in, like you said, language that everyone understands. And if you use tropes, everyone can get behind, you know? I really, really like that the more I use it. Um, in home games, uh, I've been using it a lot for like describing little stuff the villains are doing and stuff like that's really fun Mm, that's mm -hmm. something you get to do in in tv and movies that um rpgs don't get to do where you have cutaways to villains like this doesn't happen everything is from the player perspective and i don't i there's no reason why that has to be true right i agree yes yeah yeah as long as it's short and especially like in an ap format it it matters even less like you can do that as much as you want Mm -hmm. and no one's going to get upset about it because everyone's here to make a show. And if you care about the final product, who cares? You did do that in a very pivotal moment in sort of the the third act of Crows, like the, so the end of the good, second dude. act. Maybe we had maybe the first major situation where that did happen and it had large implications both for the players and the audience. Oh, totally. Yeah. That was like, how could you do that story without it? Right. And so many stories, like how do you do it without changing your, your point of view? That's why Hiram and um, metal were so pivotal for sure. One of the things that I definitely took to heart from listening to crows uh, was the point of view doesn't have to lock onto a party. And I, I love D and D and D is great, but I was very blessed that the first game I ever played was in Unisystem. It was all flesh must be eaten. And we played people at a hospital. The first zombie was brought in and we were all like medical staff and whatnot. And the entire game, uh, one gun was pulled and one one round was shot, right? And we it became this thing where like we were pulling the DM aside and having these separate interactions and scheming behind the other players' backs. And I, uh, me and one of the other doctors ended up finding the cure. So then we, you know, seated the buffet so everyone would get it. Like Ooh. it was just this great story experience with these great character interactions, and it, and it didn't have to be. Uh, I throw a fireball at 
you know, whatever. It didn't have to be, I pull out my gun and blow away a billion zombies. It was just this really cool, intimate moment. And while all, all versions of gaming are great. I, I'm not here to shit on anybody's fun time. I love D&D and I love to play that. But I think that like Savage Worlds, Unisystem, some of the games that are really narrative focused, instead of it being, hey, I'm playing a game, it's we're improving a story. Yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of it in Crows for sure. But um I think that it's good to f- have your combats in an actual play be focused on things that have real stakes, right? And you get to in actual plays, you know, in real life games, people get antsy if there isn't a fight. I don't know about your mm-hmm. players, uh, but my players for sure. Sure. In APs, there's an excuse to be like, yeah, we could just talk for a while because mm-hmm. like at the heart of it, we're making an audio drama, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's kind of our goal. We're just making an audio drama that we don't have to write. Absolutely. uh, Which is perfect because I can't write, you know? (laughs) I want to argue with that though, because for one thing, I, I, (laughs) yeah, come at me, bro. Three shots deep. Let's go. baby. (laughs) (laughs) As somebody who's written a decent amount for the show already, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and one of the things that one of the things that we've done uh that's been been something that I I am really happy and proud of this idea. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say it's the most original thing I'm sure other people have done. We have little interrupt episodes that are five or seven minutes long, something like that, that are scripted. And we have different players read them from different Mm. point of views. And it's just a way to flesh out the world a little in a narrative format. We've had one of them that we've done so far, I won't say which one, uh, was actually um, a soft uh, shadow launch of our next book character so like the point of view of one of the the people that we've heard is is actually one of the player characters from an upcoming game and it's just given us an opportunity to flesh out some npcs that got very little actual screen time if you will um but maybe had a really dramatic moment and so then that that last moment sort of left a poignant you know uh, a poignant taste in your mouth and you go oh well what brought this person to this moment especially because our um book one of Droughtland is a very it's a disaster uh survival story you know there's a there's a, a big mine collapse and our players end up at the bottom of this mine and so it's it's sort of that towering inferno uh sort of setup and i think the writing in crows which you say is is this stuff off the top of your head? If that's the case, and you're not going back and re-recording stuff, that's an insane level of on-call command. You know what I mean? Like that is because we, we bow to you. Yeah, you you listen to it, and it's and it sounds like this is a novel that they went and they took the lines out of, and then they recorded people in. You know, dang. And I think that I think that's true for all three of you because there's. That's evident in Terminus. It's evident in Neon Heat. I'm sure it's evident in the other RPG for you and me uh, campaigns that I haven't gotten to yet, where the character introductions, uh, the descriptions, it's, it is a collaborative writing. Unlike, um, you know, unlike a game, if, if there was a video camera turned on uh, to you guys as you play, it would not make the experience better. You know what I mean? And I don't mean that because yeah. you're not beautiful yes. people, right? But because no, the theater right. of the mind is so yeah. complete that you don't need to have 
minis and sets. And, and that's great. I love that stuff. I paint minis. It's, you know, who doesn't love an awesome game setup? But it is not necessary in these great stories. I think something I shout at Doug, I shout at Doug a lot of the time, paint me a word picture yeah, <laughs> across yeah. the table. So you're the, you're the actual artist. That's all. But I then can I do. can paint pictures from your word pictures. Exactly. So like, it's, it's, it's really doing half the work Cyclical. for me. That's so pretty incredible you. for me. My favorite line from Neon Heat is still, um, so uh, the first question is, are we getting a new blender? <laughs> <laughs> we never did. <laughs> we never did. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> i lost my train of thought but um i'm sorry i totally interrupted you i do that no 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 no. we could let's move back um that is a huge compliment um something i've felt that i've been bad at i always say that people should write prep around what they're bad at i've always felt like i'm bad at descriptions you know and I started using this this idea of look, sounds, smells, feels like at the beginning of Crows, where mm-hmm. every scene I really fell off at near the end because I sort of gained, you know, I, I think I'm pretty good at it now. I, I overcome, I overcame, that's not my weakest link anymore, but I would write that down for every scene and then you just sort of weave it together from mm-hmm. there. There is some magic, I agree in your statement of, Man, we would be so terrible live because so many times I start something, I get 30 seconds into it, and I'm like, this is fucking dumb. This doesn't work. And then everybody has to sit there for mm-hmm. in dead silence for 10 seconds, and then I give a three-minute description. You know what I mean? <laughs> I have no idea what that's like. Yeah. We cheat. No. You know, like, uh, it's not pre-written, but there is cheating to th- that, you know? Yeah, I you know, on whose line uh, they let well. them see the video clips the and, and practice yeah. the songs. What was that, Doug? <laughs> I was just saying, I I do that uh, as well, Caleb. I I try to hit all the senses, yeah. and sometimes I do it better than others. But mm-hmm. sometimes I remember to ask, and yeah. I'm like, "What does it smell like?" And, and I'll, you're like, "Ozone." Yeah. <laughs> Ozone. <laughs> <And> also, uh, <laughs> I I love that feeling when you reach this level of like. Like halfway through a session, you just absolutely know you're nailing every description and it makes all of them better because you like get past this level of um, self-hatred, right? And you reach that level. I, I love when I get visceral reactions from people. There was one line I used later in Crows where I was like standing above them like Samson above the Philistines, you know? And oh, everyone's yeah. like, what the That's fuck was that? Line. <laughs> it's a great line. It's so good. And then the rest of that session, I was like, okay, well, I got it. I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep rolling with this shit, you know? My father-in-law. I really like lines that, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to quickly say my father-in-law is one of the players in our first book of Droughtland, and he laughed at one of my descriptions. And I was like, (laughs) it's a good description. (laughs) I don't remember. I think it was skeletal uh, appendage or something like that. And he just chuckles because. You're really dramatic. <laughs> I mean, he's an old school gamer. He's <laughs> like, you know, AD&D. People laugh when something is good. I think this is true. If you go watch um, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda performed at the White House when Hamilton was a concept album, right? And uh, he performed the first song of the show. And the audience laughed the entire time. Like they were laughing at the ridiculousness of him making a song about Alexander Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And I mean, come on. Like it's a great song. Now it's Hamilton. 
now it's Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, so the cultural you know, institution. Fuck the haters, dude. <laughs> Allie, I think you were saying something. What were you saying, Allie? Oh, fuck. What was I saying? <laughs> I should have written it down. <laughs> oh, oh. Okay. Allie, you are so drunk right now. You need I to get- <laughs> I'm going to be fine. You need to get your drinking under control. <laughs> he says as he drinks his scotch. That was a visual gag. As he's- that was a visual shot. gag. <laughs> oh, you know, another visual gag. <laughs> I got it. I remember. Okay. Um, something I appreciate is uh, uh, coming across a good line while I'm editing that I've forgotten. Oh, yeah. And I don't know how one of us actually said that, but it, I'm always like, holy shit, fucking nice. I don't even oh have to gosh. record yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. I, I go into what I call recording fugues, where I think I think Caleb and I share uh, a great affinity for stress when we're running things, at least, mm-hmm. at, least at certain sure. points or at least when you're getting in. Uh, wanting to make sure that things come across well or that they're delivered properly or any any number of reasons. But there have been many sessions where I remember the bullet points of what happened or what we did, even if it was very good, but I could not for the life of you or for the life of me tell you what specifically happened. And mm-hmm. I'll listen to it later on and be like, wow, that was a good line. There, I don't remember yeah. saying that. There's one line that Bolt says that sticks in my brain forever. And it was like, far be it for me for a man to hoist himself on a petard of honor or some bullshit. Oh, and I was oh, like, oh that's a great oh, line. Excuse me. Damn. Bolt said that? This oh, oh Bolt. Um, can we just I don't know if you guys have fan casted Bolt and I know not everyone in this call call has listened to Neon Heat so no Sorry. spoiler but there is a wonderful character named Bolt and that's pretty much all you need to know about him at least where I'm at um, the guy that plays um, Rob Riggle I feel like Rob Riggle. I don't know if he's too old, but I feel like Rob Riggle would be a great Bolt. Oh my <laughs> god. That'd be funny. Yeah, yeah. that wouldn't be bad. A jacked could... Rob Riggle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you gotta put him through the Hemsworth treatment, but... A shredded Patrick Warburton, maybe? <laughs> oh, Patrick <laughs> Warburton. That's actually, who I, that's actually who I meant, Patrick Warburton. He's got the chin for it. Yes. Doug, can I make you dance? Would you do Bolt's voice? Can I make you dance? <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah yeah sure oh well far be it for me for a man to hoist himself on a petard of his own honor you also you didn't get to describe how glowing he is in the meantime <laughs> he's a beautiful glowing man I really want to do. Uh, I really want to guest uh, Neon Heat somehow in a non-canonical thing where everyone is Bolt, just so, <laughs> <laughs> just so I can do my Bolt impression. No, it's do a Bolt John Malkovich oh thing. God. The Bolt impersonator. Yes. He hires people to go around and pretend yes. to be him to make appearances oh. so he can yes. reap benefits. I want that mm-hmm. so much. That'd be fun. That'd be a fun. Uh, patreon one shot has anyone seen the movie dave where the the impersonator of the president has to stand in he's like he's he gets hired to do like openings of car dealerships and stuff to impersonate the president it's kevin klein in the 90s you know and then the the cia secret service shows up and they and they i swear it's a movie kevin klein plays both the president and a guy whose job is to impersonate the president at like car dealerships and things like that low low rent impersonator and then the secret service shows so up the and, and the says hey 
we have to basically okay. yeah yeah the the real president had a heart attack while having an affair so they couldn't go public with that so they bring in this guy to you know and so he has to come in and then he starts to do good and whatnot that movie has a great premise i like that i love kevin klein too he's so good i'm just saying there's a world where Bolt, you know, gets kidnapped and for some reason they've got to replace him. <laughs> I, for one, am all on board for the Boltiverse. Oh <laughs> I don't know that Bolt isn't a clone. They might just have more of this guy in a tube. I'm not convinced. Shit. I'm not convinced he's not a clone. You want to investigate, you're welcome to. I probably never will. <laughs> yeah, don't you have a D8 in investigation, Athena? Uh, <laughs> I have a D6 in research. I bumped that up for some reason. <laughs> There you go. That's that's what it is. So I will say, at some point, at some point, uh, we gotta we gotta get you guys into the world of Droughtland. We gotta get you guys do a, a quick little adventure, bring in some wonderful characters. We could even bring in rebuild Athena and uh, bring a couple of the Crow Boys, and uh, then we're just gonna put you guys up against like two to three hundred Calvec, which are basic basically Krogan from Mass Effect, like desert Krogans. Oh. They're pissed nice. off turtle people. Oh, yeah, could, real could pissed off just... turtle people. I do like Mass Effect. Mass Effect, heavy inspiration for our settings. Well, well I guess. Hey, there's also good old-fashioned dinosaurs. And you know what? Velociraptors, so... Can I ride them? <laughs> that actually brings me to my last question. What does the future for Harrison and Cooper look like in Terminus? Oh my gosh, Yes. We gonna see any more Harrison and Cooper? Or do Harrison and Cooper have descendants? Or you know, are we gonna meet a new bumbling detective? I'm so glad you asked. I think that Deadlands is inherently a silly system. Sure, it is a world in which dinosaur bones are reanimated and chase uh, steam-powered wagons. Uh, through a desert while a jackalope chases them, right? <laughs> it's a very silly setting that we played very straight, very seriously. And uh, I'm excited that now we just get yes. to have Harrison and Cooper in it and it yes. gets to be a dumb buddy cop <laughs> show where we just play up all the ridiculous stuff. Uh, you know, God, I really want to talk about the last episode we recorded. Um, but without spoilers, I don't know what to say, except that we got James Marsters as a guest. <laughs> What? <laughs> what? Are you serious? Oh, yeah. oh he's in there. I wow. am very serious. He is in there. <laughs> and we choose those words very carefully. He is in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but we just recorded. We just recorded another session uh, about a week ago, two weeks ago. Woo! Of Harrison and Cooper. Of Harrison and Cooper. So we're going to get another Harrison and Cooper very soon. Oh, is the, is this? I gotta know. Is this an exclusive? Do we have the exclusive here? You do. Yeah, I haven't told mm -hmm. anybody. This about is this. the hot yeah. guy. We got the scoop. Yeah, we got the scoop. I don't think I told Ali and Doug about this. Hashtag breaking news. Breaking news, dude. I will say the other day I was in a gas station and I saw some Chicago style popcorn and I picked it up. <laughs> and it's fucking delightful. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. I don't know what he's talking about. Um, <laughs> I will say I would love a Harrison and Cooper esque Doug and uh, Doug and Allie 
you know, bumbling. I mean, that's, we already get a lot of that in Neon Heat, but that's what I think would be great about that to see, you know, the three of you guys with that, bring that yeah. real Harrison and Cooper energy. Maybe, maybe even just fun. joining them on an adventure. I think it would be a great time. Yeah. Uh, Dupe Troop is kind of similar in, in <laughs> yeah. to Harrison and Cooper. Um, I think I was just talking to Allie not a week ago about, uh, I think I want to split you two up. I don't know how you feel about it, but we get more episodes if each of you guessed one at a time. And we haven't had a double guest yet. So, so, uh, you know, I'm a stickler for format, you know, I'm happy to do whatever you oh, want. Yeah. I'm, I'm just excited great. to be involved yeah. from the snippet that was passed along to me, <laughs> at least yeah, yeah, the yeah. elevator pitch for the, uh, the <laughs> that I might be involved in. So. I just hollered oh, yeah. to the other room, Doug, you want to do blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love Harrison and Cooper. I've had so many people. I don't know. Like I get feedback, like the feedback you've given me from crows, which I appreciate so much, but I'll, oh, sure, absolutely. The feedback for Harrison and Cooper is always just like, this shit was so fucking funny. Well, it's the break from the serious. You guys deliver yes. this intense story with these very well-developed characters. Yeah. And then all of a sudden that it's just the die is turned, yeah. the, you know, and, and instead it's these, this bumbling German scientist and this way yeah. too big for the britches. He probably stole from <laughs> a poor homeless person. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, Secret Service agent, you know. Uh, Alex Horrell is the funniest person I've ever met in my life. Yes. He's the only person I've known that will just keep bits running for two years because he thinks it's funny. I love <laughs> every time I'm in a room with him, like there's one person that doesn't understand he's funny and they're so confused the entire interaction. He's got like that love, like, like that Tim and Eric vibe going on. Mm. that I really love, um, yeah, more Harrison and Cooper soon. Our guest is great. The story's great. Um, it's some of the funniest shit I've recorded in a while. Uh, I yeah, I I'm just rambling. Can you can you t- can you let let drop who the guest is? Is that something you can let drop? Uh, um. So yeah, it's just um. It's a it's a good friend of mine who I went hiking with, and she literally begged me to be on Harrison and Cooper. Not the first person to beg me to nice. be on Harrison and Cooper. <laughs> uh, but I was like, okay, but fine. Uh, if if you buy this mic, you could be on Harrison and Cooper. And three days later, she sent me a message. And uh, so it's it's my friend, uh, uh, Kate. Uh, she's Ippo, if you're on our Discord. Um, oh, yeah. She's doing – she's helping on Terminus, right? Yes. Um, a lot with Terminus, yeah. actually. Uh, she's like my – you need someone in every game that you can just tell the whole plot to and then talk it through with them. Ippo is that person. She knows shit that's going to happen three years from now. Sure, yeah. Um, but with Ippo, uh, she is the biggest fucking Western uh, history buff I've met in my entire life. That's the main oh, awesome. thing she's interested in. She loves that shit. She'll drop knowledge all the time. Whenever she finds a new history fact, she just sends it to me. Uh, we've gone hiking in Utah and Texas together, and the whole time was just a fucking history l- lesson, you know? We'd be, like, overlooking some canyon, and she'd be like, yeah, so in 1853, and then she'd go on for 30 minutes about this. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I love that that's shit. That's so cool. Yeah. She's a force of nature. She's Absolutely. Amazing. 
Yeah. What? Also, she's she's flying <laughs> helicopters now or something. I oh don't my. understand it. She's the coolest person. Oh my I goodness. Know. She's very cool. Yeah. You actually do have two of the biggest history buffs I know in this chat. Um, our Caleb <laughs> and Taylor are both oh, really big. Out. Getting Real big out. history buffs. Ooh, yeah, very cool. Ta- Taylor's one of those reads actual World War II like oh, biographies cool. and stuff like that. You know, I just very got, cool. actually today we knocked off of work early so I could go to uh, a battlefield from. Well, let's say the sordid past of Minnesota, and I'll leave it at that. Mm, nice, Ooh. nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Caleb also has a really a fantastically cool job because he gets to travel all over the country doing, um, uh, well, paleontology surveying. Not paleontology. Archaeology. It's archaeology, but <laughs> you get to dig holes in a lot of pretty places. I'm sorry. You know, it, it's an ology. I have applied for paleontology jobs. <laughs> they don't want. They don't want me. Uh, they say uh, <laughs> you're too cool. I'm too that cool, kid's weird, man. and he'll lick all the dino yeah. bones. I mean, yeah. he will, but that's besides the point. Hey, hey that uh, is a legitimate thing. Hold up, no, 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 no. I will go to bat for licking uh, random things you find in the I ground know. because it's the best way to tell what they are. I will go to <laughs> well, bat. That's for how that. you absorb the power. Well, yeah, uh, that kid legit licks rocks. <laughs> if your name was Cable, we'd consider it. But <laughs> Caleb Beta is not allowed to lick rocks. No, if, if it's if it's bone, it'll stick to your uh, tongue. It tastes like cow. No, it doesn't taste like cow. It time. tastes like dirt. But <laughs> really, what it is is I just get to go to a lot of cool places where you would only go if you were like a local or whatever. It's just it's a lot of fun. I'll probably leave licking rocks to the professionals. <laughs> leave that rock licking to the pros. Professional rock licker. Right. And it gives me a lot of times to listen to shows like Crows or listen to my own voice or listen to Neon Heat as soon as I get on the pa- pa- Patreon. Well, we're gonna yeah, which I got to We're going to talk about that. I got to double check that because I'm pretty sure I'm on the Crows Patreon, but y'all didn't shout me out. So I got to double check and make sure I'm on there. I know I'm on Neon <laughs> Heat. So. <laughs> You know, we only shout the cool Patreon. <laughs> there we go. You will never be shouted. <laughs> well, we better we better wrap it up. Uh, I do want to give a Doug and Allie a chance to go ahead and plug all of their stuff. So, Doug and Allie, where can we find you and your guys' stuff online? All right. Here we go. You can find us on Twitter at RPG for you and me. You can find me on Twitter at you see the hat. Uh, all of our shows are under RPG for you and me. That's the umbrella show, but we post um, we post Neon Heat on there. We post Absolute Zero on like season breaks or filler weeks. Uh, but a lot of that is still on the Patreon, which is patreon.com slash RPG for you and me. All right. Is that everything? Did, did we do like it? about everything, yeah. Well, dang, that was succinct. You had me... You had me prepared for like a really, really long list. What if we want to talk? What What if we want to tell Doug he's doing a good job? Should we Should we just tweet you? Or uh, I'm not currently on Twitter. Yeah, go. Ali Ali is my social media intermediary. Unless you come on Discord, I am active on Discord. That's okay. true. And what's the Discord for you guys to show? Uh, it's the pickle jar. <laughs> yeah, the pickle jar <laughs> okay. is uh, which you can gain access to through the Patreon. That's true. Well, Cable. Well, first of all, I've watched Allie eat an entire cup of pickles, so there That's is that. True. It's true. It's it's true story. We were we were at Genghis Khan. We were at Subway. Mm-hmm. She just mm-hmm. walked up and said, "Hey, <laughs> can I have a whole cup of pickles?" He was like, "I don't give a shit." Sure. <laughs> <laughs> These pickles mean nothing. I make minimum wage. Who cares? <laughs> 
they do not pay me enough to not give you this cup of pickles. Like this, uh, they don't pay me enough to deal with whatever you're going to do if I don't give this to but you. But I was so full of electrolytes that whole day. I work at Subway. All of my idols are dead. Take as many pickles as you want. <laughs> it was firehouse subs, actually, Allie. I'm sorry to fact check you, but... Fuck. I, that was me, actually. I, I was the Well, I have to issue all complaints to Allie, Duck, because you're not on Twitter, so... <laughs> <laughs> that's true i that's i disseminate them later i'm writing it down I've, I've got a i've got a report ticket here how do you spell your last name uh, yeah, it's <laughs> uh you can spell your name you can find sounds like crows uh wherever you find podcasts if you search for sounds like crows crows is spelled like russell crow so an es at the end sounds like crows.com on twitter we're at sounds of crows i'm on twitter at marshall caleb uh if you want to annoy my brother you can tweet at him at able to crow and say hey caleb's a little bit better than you um just an <laughs> oh. idea um <laughs> And then, yeah, I, I think that's about it. Just go listen to the show, you know, if if you want. If you guys haven't started, start and start with season one of Crows. And if you have, then you've got to catch up on Terminus. Because I'm, like I said, I'm five episodes in and things are starting to heat up. And we just met, a, a like, the sexiest new character. I, can we talk about the fact that Cameron does always have to be the sexiest character? Just That's just how it is, man. dude. There's a scene later on where he explicitly states, "My character has the best hair here." Like, that is kind of what a fucking writer! Oh my but goodness! I, I'm gonna say beautiful plus mullet? Question mark? See for yourself. No, no, no! It's what a mullet wishes it was. Verbatim, he said, "It's what a mullet wishes it was." <laughs> I feel like anytime oh, no. you put the word mullet adjacent to a hairstyle yeah. it's still just a mullet it's still just mullet adjacent cameron yeah. reed is so ripped his partner says it's uncomfortable to cuddle with him okay he's, uh, a, he's a rip dude he's a rip. Oh. chiseled man you that see this be nothing. probably Question. as big as my torso that's, that's hardly not, an exaggeration it's not i don't think <laughs> i've met him oh in person <laughs> he can lift me get that guy a donut and where will we be finding photos of this young man? No. Oh, he's, yeah, he is on Twitter. Actually, I follow him. Uh, All righty, guys. Well, thank you so, so, so much for coming and joining. Obviously, I am very excited to continue listening to Terminus. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll be able to have you guys back on at some point, even if it's just to do more chatting. I know, Caleb, Cable, you had a hot take on... Um, Star Trek Into Darkness that we need to talk about because it is a severely underrated Star Trek <laughs> film. Also, I had my mic muted mm. earlier. I did make a uh, Darmok and Gelada Tanagra reference while we were talking about using, hey. you know, cultural hey. references. And I was all like, mm, that was a good line. Nobody reacted because I was muted. Uh, <laughs> <sometimes> <laughs> it's every time. <laughs> I would have uh, the deep guts. Thanks again, guys. And we'll catch you soon. The fish that die very easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah, my sister killed like five of those and it took her off pets for like 10 years. How much do you look like Dwayne the Rock Johnson? I'm wearing a kilt right now. <laughs>
still owes me 20 bucks. It's fine. It's okay. We're not live. Hey, I'm um, no. Oh, <laughs> you brave man. They're going to love that in post. It's also Doug's birthday. <laughs>